Now have you take your Bible and let's turn to Judges chapter number 6. Judges chapter number 6. And tonight we're going to be begin to see how the Lord raised up yet another judge to deliver the children of Israel from yet another oppression brought on yet again by their sin. And we've been seeing in this book that the historical background of this time was marked by a series of the same cycle. This is uh, part four of the cycle, cycle number four. And uh, the sin goes, moves into suffering and servitude. And then you have them finally crying out to the Lord in supplication. The Lord sends salvation with a deliverer. And then there's a period of silence. That's, that's what we see over and over again in this book. So we saw as we left last time after that Deborah and Barak d delivered Israel, the nation entered into a period of silence or rest for 40 years according to the last verse of chapter number 5. The land had rest there 40 years. Tonight we see Israel make a mess of things again. When when they finally uh, cried out to the Lord, he uses a young man by the name of Gideon to deliver them from the oppression and suffering brought on by their sin. So we begin the same way that we have before. First of all, we see Israel's sin in verse number 1. Judges 6, verse 1, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. So we see Israel's sin there in the first part of the verse, and it brought on Israel's suffering in the second part of the verse. And this particular time, Israel's suffering was for a period of seven years at the hand of the Midianites. This was the Lord's divine judgment for Israel having forsaken him again. Notice uh, verses 2 through 6 here. It says, And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. And it was so, uh, and so it was uh, when Israel had sown uh, that the Midianites came up and, and the Amalekites and the children of the east even came up against them and they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou come unto Gaza, and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor axe, nor, nor ox, nor ass. And for they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitudes, for both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. So uh, for seven years these bands of Midianites would swoop down on the farms of the Israelites and they would pillage them, they would plunder them at will. And then for seven years the defenseless Israelites would run away in terror. They would leave their homes and possessions and run into the holes that they had made into the mountains and the caves and the different places there. And so they, was, they were used to uh, things getting stolen from them. 
And so we see Israel's sin, we see Israel's suffering, we see finally see Israel's supplication there in the latter part of verse 6. It says, uh, Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And so the Lord sent Israel, an unnamed prophet, with a message telling them what their problem was. So look at verse number 7. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you and drave them out from before you and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. And so this unnamed prophet brings the Lord's message there. And then uh, next we see Israel's salvation. And, and we're going to plant right here at this point. Point number four. We see Israel's salvation. We're going to plant ourselves here for the rest of this message this evening. And Lord willing, the message uh, the next week uh, or so as well. Okay, So uh, we see this time that the Lord raised up and called a man by the name of Gideon to lead his people in battle against the Midianites. Look at verse 11 and 12. It says, And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Ophrah. Uh, that pertained to Joash and Abi the Abizarite uh, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Uh, 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 so we see... Gideon here, the name Gideon means he who cuts down or cuts to pieces. Or it can also mean a, a great warrior. But it means he was used to cutting wheat. Uh, that's, that's what he was cutting down. Uh, but the Lord was going to use him as a, as a warrior. We see that when the Lord appeared to him in verse 12, he, he called Gideon a mighty man of valor. Now we're not told, but I envision here that Gideon was quite possibly looking around to see who the Lord was talking to. <laughs> I mean, because he didn't call him by, by, uh, by name there. Uh, he just said, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of battle. Who? Where? Where, where at here? <laughs> because he's used to farming. He's not used to soldiering. Um, and so understand that the Lord knew beforehand the mighty man of valor that Gideon would become for the Lord and for Israel. He was going to mold him and make him into uh, the, the servant that he needed to be. So let's take a look at a, at a good outline here for uh, tonight. Uh, first of all, we see when the angel of the Lord first came to Gideon, he was hiding his wheat threshing activity. You know, he's got this wheat threshing going on. He was hiding that from the Midianites. So that's where the angel of the Lord found him. And the reason for that was because of what we see the Midianites doing in verse 4. I mean, they would swoop down and they would get what, take whatever they, they could. Well, they're not going to look for a wheat 
over by a wine press. And I take it that it was wheat season, not wine season. So uh, he's, he's doing this over near the wine press and uh, for Gideon and his family to eat, he had to hide what he was doing or the Midianites would confiscate his dad's wheat. Now in the eyes of the world, Gideon would probably be one of the least likely candidates for an, a national deliverer. After all, he was helping his dad farm, and he was not a soldier. What he was used to cutting down was wheat. And we'll also see later that early on, he demonstrated not, not very much leadership ability. And, and this was no doubt one of the reasons why the Lord chose Gideon, because when the victory was ultimately obtained, it would be obvious that the Lord was the one who fought it and wrought it among Israel. Amen. God would get all the glory out of it because there was nothing had to do really with uh, Gideon other than he was the, the vessel that the Lord chose to use and molded him uh, and uh, told him exactly what to do. And he was obedient to that. Now understand that the Lord is not necessarily looking for those who have all kinds of skills and abilities. You know, we think that, uh, well, you know, I just don't have any skills, I don't have any abilities, and the Lord certainly can't use me. Well, in reality, the only ability that the Lord wants in our life is our availability, our availability to hear Him and obey Him, and Gideon was willing to do that. If we make ourselves available to the Lord, He can... Uh, he can and will equip us and then mold us and make us into the servants He wants us to be for His glory. Now in uh, verse number uh, 12 through 16 here, we see that in spite of Gideon's hiding and in spite of his doubts about himself, the Lord was with him and called him to deliver Israel. Um, in fact, we, we see it at first... Uh, Let's take a look at verse 13. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, and now the Lord said in verse 12, the Lord, he said, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. He didn't say he was with all of them, did he? He said, I'm with, I'm with thee. Gideon said, if, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then has all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? Now that's, that's the might he was to go in. He was sent of the Lord. Okay? He was to go in in the Lord's the Lord called him, the Lord was sending him, and he was to go in that strength. He was to go in that might. And we see that at first Gideon's faith was weak. Um, there in verse 14, hey, have I not sent thee? I mean, he just, he's, he's telling Gideon, look, I'm, I'm sending you, and uh, go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. And... Um, Gideon's weak faith is shown in his initial focus on his own limitations and weaknesses rather than on the Lord. Look at verse number 15. And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith, I, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, 
My family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. You know, was that humility on his part? Uh, I don't know. But listen, he, he confesses here three things. Um, but we see he's definitely focused on himself instead of the Lord. He failed to see how the Lord could use him for anything at all. You know, when we get our, get our sights set on us, we'll not see God's, what God can do. But when we take, get our look and our vision at the Lord, uh, the Lord can do what he wants to do, can he? He, he, he freely confesses three things there in verse 15. First of all, he confesses that he was an insignificant man. <laughs> Wherewith shall I save Israel? Uh, now, that may have been true in some respects, but verse 27 indicates that he had at least ten servants, so he wasn't quite as insignificant as he wants to make out. If you own ten servants... That's, that's, that was probably pretty good for that day. But even had he been a, a significant man in the eyes of man or in his own eyes, listen, he still would be insignificant compared to the Lord. Listen to the psalmist in Psalm 39 verse 5. It says, Verily every man at his best state is altogether vanity. All of us. Amen. At our best state, we're altogether vanity. So in reality, everyone who the Lord calls is truly insignificant. <laughs> no matter uh, how, in, how significant they, they or anyone else thinks they are, the, the Lord Jesus said in, in John 15, verse 5, He said, For without me, told His disciples, without me ye can do nothing. Uh, now, with Him, they did a wonderful thing, didn't they? But without Him, they, could, they couldn't do anything. 2 Corinthians 3, 5, the Apostle Paul said, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Let's remember that our sufficiency is, is also of God. Amen. He, so he confesses he was an insignificant man. Another thing is he confesses that he was from a poor and insignificant family. Look at verse 15 again. He said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh. <laughs> um, again, he had at least ten servants, according to verse 27 of this, uh, of this chapter. Uh, there's, there, there are, uh, we'll see this in a later thing that he does here. But he had ten servants, and his father owned an altar. We're going to see this later, too, down to verse 25. His, his father owned an altar under Baal that had a grove beside it. So uh, that means he had a little bit of, uh, in the community, had a little bit of standing there. Uh, he also confesses that he was the least of his father's house. There in verse 15, the latter, that last phrase there, I'm the least in my father's house. Uh, now, we don't know if this was just his own perspective or if it indeed was a reality, but it doesn't matter. No matter how little you are, the Lord can make something great out of you. We know that Joseph, his brothers looked down on him, but Joseph, uh, God made him into uh, a great leader uh, because he believed God and he uh, followed the Lord. Amen. Also, David. David was looked down by his brothers. Uh, he was the youngest. 
and his family. In fact, uh, it, he wasn't even going to be considered until Samuel spoke up and said, you don't have any other sons that are, that are here? He said, well, we got one that's tended the sheep out there. You know? And so brought him in there. And then uh, when he went to check on his brothers on the battlefield, remember that, you know, what are you, what are you doing? What, what's going on with those few sheep that you have out there? You know, they wanted to belittle him. But listen, he, he confesses that he was the least in his father's house, but that doesn't matter. God uses the least. I mean, he can, he can make something out of uh, the, the smallest of anyone. And then uh, we see the call of the Lord on Gideon's life trumped his weak faith. There, uh, the Lord said, Have not I sent thee? That trumps anything that you want to bring up. Have not I sent thee? And then down in verse number 16, and the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee. Not only the Lord sent him, but because the Lord sent him, the Lord is going to be with him. Right? And when the Lord sends you, he's going to go with you. He says, Thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. It reminds me of... Uh, Hold your place there. Look at 1 Corinthians uh, 1. I know it's probably familiar to you, but it, it just, just goes to show uh, what uh, Paul spoke of here in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 26 through 29. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26. 1 Corinthians 1, 26. He said, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things that are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Now, I say the Lord didn't want Gideon to be able to glory. But God was going to get the glory out of Gideon's life. So we see that the call of the Lord was on Gideon's life in spite of his perceived insignificance. Yeah. I don't whether he was really insignificant, I, I don't think he was, but he perceived himself as being insignificant and inadequate. Um, and we will see how the Lord used him mightily at this very important time in Israel's history. Now, Gideon's weak faith is seen in his interaction with the angel of the Lord. Uh, look at there in verse 17 um, through 24 here. Verse 17, he said unto him, this is Gideon talking to the, the angel of the Lord, he said, if, I, if now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. I, I, I guess he thought he was in a trance or something, talking to the talking to the angel of the Lord. It doesn't tell us, but he was wanting a sign that he was talking to him. Verse eighteen: Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee and and bring forth my present and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. And Gideon went in and made ready a kid and unleavened cakes of an ephah of flour. And, and the flesh he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot and brought it out unto uh, him under the oak and presented it. 
And the angel of, of God said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes and lay them upon this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and, and the unleavened cakes and there rose up fire out of the rock. Okay, fire didn't come up. Fire came up out of the rock. Consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Well, that doesn't tell us there where the, uh, you know, what that does, except that next verse says, And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. I guess he was convinced, right? Uh, so we see that uh, the interaction there, uh, look at uh, look only verse uh, 23, And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Unto this day it is yet in Ophrah of the Abiezerites. Now that's uh, as of the writing of the book of Judges, it was still there. Uh, so uh, we see the the um, interaction there with the angel of the Lord. Before we move on, let's think about the faith of Christ's disciples. You know, it took great faith to accomplish what we see in the early church. You agree with me on that? You take, see what's going on in the book of Acts, and you see what's going on in the, in the churches there that were written to. Uh, it took great faith. Uh, to accomplish those things. However, we read on more than one occasion before the resurrection of Jesus that the disciples' faith was described as being little. You know, we've, we've seen uh, the Savior uh, say unto them, uh, just in the book of Matthew, there were four places. He, four times he said, O ye of little faith. That's Matthew 6.30, Matthew 8.26, Matthew 14.21, and Matthew 16.8. Um, we see Gideon's first assignment from the Lord given there in verse number 25. Look at verse 25 and 26 here. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it. And build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place. And take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which thou shalt cut down. Um, so that's the first assignment. We, we'll, we'll get to the familiar story of Gideon's great victory over the Midianites with his reduced army. I mean, that's coming up. That would be next week, okay, that we take a look at the reduced army of 300 that the Lord uh, uh, used to uh, get the victory over Midian. But uh, that's another battle that Gideon um, was going to be in. But this is the one he had to fight first. Okay? Um, after all, the Midianites were not the main problem here. What was the main problem? Idolatry. <laughs> Uh, what good would it do to rid the land of the Midianites if they didn't get rid of what brought the Midianites to the land to begin with, right? And, I mean, his dad is 
first and foremost in the front of this with uh, uh, owning a uh, a altar to Baal and on, owning a grove there. Uh, Israel's greatest problem was not Midian, it was Baal. Their spiritual problem was greater than their physical problem. It was their idolatry and worship of Baal that had caused the, the Lord to send the Midianites to oppress them to begin with. Now, the Lord was not going to take away the Midianites until they disposed of Baal. Plain and simple. Baal would have to be renounced before Midian could be driven out of the land. So the Lord put Gideon to the test. He, he instructed Gideon to tear down the altar of Baal that his father had. I want you to think about your dad. I think about my dad. If I was told to, to, to take and uh, tear up something my dad had, I'd be fearful of that. Yeah, um, I, I guess today kids w wouldn't be so fearful as uh, many times, depending on who the fathers are. But my father, uh, I, I'd have had a tough time. But not only did he want him to tear down the altar of Baal, but also cut down the grove beside it, build an altar to the Lord, sacrifice his father's seven-year-old bullock <laughs> using the wood that he got from cutting down the grove. Uh, tall task, right? Uh, so but before Gideon could be trusted to deliver his nation, he first had to deliver his family. Before he could do war with the Midianites, he had to declare war on Baal. First things first. In order for Gideon to do this, he had to deal with his fears. The fear of his father and also the fear of the men of the city. You know, uh, He knew that uh, he was going to cause a, a ruckus doing this. And the next thing we see, we see Gideon obeyed the Lord, but he did so at night. Verse 27, Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had said unto him. And so it was because he feared his father's household and the men of the city that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. Now he feared the Lord, but he also feared his dad and he feared the men of the city. Uh, and I can understand that. He he did, it, he did it at night because he was afraid of, of both of those. And then we see the uproar by the men in the city for what had been done by Gideon. Look at verse number 28. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down, and a, the grove was cut down that was by it, and the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. And they said one to another, Who hath done this thing? And they, when they inquired, now who do you think they were asking? Well, I imagine they, they found some of, those, uh, some of those servants that helped Gideon. Probably had loose lips, right? Uh, anyway, somebody, somebody knew. And it said, who, who hath done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they, they said, whoever they is, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, hath done this thing. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son, that he may die, because he hath cast down the altar of Baal, because he hath cut down the grove that was by it. So uh, here they are after him. When it's discovered that he's the one that tore it down, they, they want blood. They want his dad to bring him out. They were, they were wanting to, to take him out. And we see that Gideon's father, though, came to his defense. That was probably unexpected. He wasn't expecting yet, but look at verse 31. And Joash said unto all that stood against him, 
And this is a good question. Will you plead for Baal? Will you save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death while, while is yet mourning. If he be a god, let him plead for himself, because one hath cast down his altar. Makes sense, doesn't it? If he's a god, you know, he can take care of this. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, responding to the men of the city, Gideon's father actually came to his son's defense and argued that, you know, this argument here, which just makes sense to me. Gideon had acted with faith and obedience at a time when most were afraid to live for the Lord. Gideon's faith was based on the Word of God. God told him to do this, and listen, he was safe in doing it because God told him to do it. And Gideon was then given another name by his father. Look down at verse 32. And we're going to close out right here with this. Therefore on, on that day he called him Jerubbaal, saying, Let Baal plead against him, because he hath thrown down his altar. And uh, so that, that new name, Jer Jerubbaal, means let Baal plead. And so uh, that's what his dad called him from that point forward. And that's where we leave off our study for this evening. And Lord willing, we're going to come back next week and deal with the rest of Gideon, the Lord's deliverer. And we're going to actually see him deliver his people next week. But it, not in a way that uh, probably Gideon was expecting. I mean, he thought when he was going to go in with, uh, he thought when he first had 32,000 um, uh, soldiers that he was shorthanded. I mean, it was uh, greater than four to one odds against him. He was going against uh, uh, 135,000 soldiers. And he probably think, boy, I don't know if we're going to be able to do this. And the Lord says, you've got too many, you got too many men. <laughs> well, we'll see all that next Wednesday, Lord willing. Amen. But that's all we have time for tonight. And uh, so that's our Bible study. Let's uh, pull back at our prayer list. We'll pray for the needs there, and we'll be dismissed with this prayer.